0: Alright, so, uh, this morning as, uh, was mentioned, as, as you probably picked up from the palm branches and the children and the Hosanna, loud Hosanna and the other things we've said, today is Palm Sunday. And like I mentioned in our, uh, congregational prayer, Palm Sunday, along with many of the actions of the, the humans involved besides Jesus, Christ, of course, Jesus also being human and divine, uh, but the actions of other people throughout the, uh, the Holy Week and the, the days leading up to that, so many of them end up being so ironic, so, so interesting. Right? And, and and you'd like to, uh, I, I mean, maybe you wouldn't, maybe you're better than I am, but I'd like to, you know, go and sort of look down my nose at the people of Israel at the time and go, <laughs> you guys didn't know what was going on. I know so much better. But of course, the reality was, if I was in the same situation at the same time, I probably also would have been right there doing those same ironic things. That being said, it is wonderful to see that, that through that, God's grace shines upon the people of Israel, even in spite of their ignorance, even in spite of their sin, even in spite of their selfishness and their greed, God's grace shines through. And, and we will see that As we go through, but but for now, I want you to think about as as we come to the scriptures, I want you to think about whether there is a time I I want you to mostly focus on the scriptures, by the way, I don't want to split your focus too much, but but just have it mulling at the back of your mind. Was there a time you can remember when you did something that was way more appropriate than you thought it would be? Way more appropriate, not way more inappropriate, but way more appropriate than you thought it would be. Think of like this as sort of an example. Let's say. Pretend with me for a moment that Queen Elizabeth II, who's like, what, 900 years old now, I think, something like that. Let's say she got out on her own and was wandering the streets of England and you were there and you see this nice little old lady and you don't know that she's the Queen of England and you help her across the road. Right. Because she clearly needs it at this point or something like this. Right. You are kind and you are courteous to her and you help her out in a loving and gracious way. And then finally the, the police officers or whatever show up and go, ma'am, you know, we've got to get you back into the palace or whatever they say. Right. And you're like, what? What? This was the queen of England that I helped across the road. Right. And you realize that your kindness and your graciousness was was more than just kindness and graciousness. It was something that was like, duh, of Of course, you need to treat the Queen of England with this kind of respect and love and care, right? Now, I mean, there's some theological problems with that because, of course, you should treat anybody with that kind of love and care and respect. But your actions ended up being even more appropriate than you thought they might have been. Okay, so think of whether there's ever been an instance where this happened to you. In the meantime, let us look at uh, Psalm 118, Psalm 118, verses one to two. And then also verses uh, 19, sorry, verses, yeah, verses 19 to 29. So this is what Psalm 118 says. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, and let us say together, His love endures forever. Verse 19 and following. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give thanks give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord. Grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God. And he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God. And I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Let us say it together. His love endures forever. Amen. Our second passage for this morning comes from Luke. The Gospel of Luke chapter 19 verses 28 through to uh, 30, 40. There we go. Let's hear what the word of the Lord is there. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem just to pause and, and remind you a little bit. Uh, Jesus had just spent a little bit of time in Bethany. We talked last week about how Jesus was hanging out with Mary, Martha and Lazarus for a while. And, and so Jesus is coming from Bethany, which is which is located pretty near to Jerusalem. You have to go sort of down through a valley and then back up to Jerusalem to get there, but uh, it's not super far away. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany uh, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden, untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them as they were untying the colt. Its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. While he, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out the word of the Lord. Amen. You'll, you'll probably notice and recognize that the uh, some of the quotes that the people are uttering we just heard, of course. Right? Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord is taken directly out of Psalm 118, what, which, which we just read. And, and that, you know, definitively ties together this psalm, Psalm 118, with what is happening here in the triumphal entry. And, and that is important because we see in it a little taste of God's grace to these people who are ignorantly, in a lot of ways, lining the streets and laying down their cloaks and praising the Lord their God, even though they don't really know who fully Jesus is. You see for them Jesus is a prophet, a great teacher, a person clearly endowed with the gifts of the spirit and clearly blessed by God to be able to do these miracles. He is they hope and they pray the Messiah. And for them of course as you've heard many many times before the Messiah is for them someone who will come and restore the fortunes of Israel, who will who will put them back in their place as as a nation, as a nation under God, a nation that will shine the light of of God to the world around them, but it's primarily for them a political, a national, a uh, power sort of thing, right? They're going to throw off the shackles of the Romans and they are going to become This place that all the nations will look to where the glory of God shines out from Jerusalem and from the nation of Israel. Right. And so that's what they're hoping for. And that's what they're praying for. And that's what they're anticipating as Jesus comes. Right. And in a way, you know, who can blame them? If you look at the words of Psalm 118, it it feels like that sort of thing. Open the gates of the righteous. I will enter enter and give thanks to the Lord. Right? This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. You have become my salvation. The the stone that the, the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done it. This very day, and it is wondrous in our sight. Right? You can see how the people of Israel might envision this being their salvation in that very real and concrete way. And Jesus is their salvation in a very real and concrete way. Just not the real and concrete way that they think. And so along down the road comes Jesus and the people praise him. And it is far more appropriate than they know. Which brings me back to that thing I was asking you to think about. Have any of you, can you think of a time where you have done something that was far more appropriate than you thought it was? You discovered later on that it fit better. Better. This is a tough one, so I'm not, I'm not going to be hurt if any of you don't have an answer. But if you do, I'd love to hear it. You had an example that you you could share, right? Mm? What? I was thinking of, there was a story about uh, someone reading a book on a plane... Right beside someone else. Not you You didn't experience it. I don't remember it well enough. But I did meet the queen when I was seven, but I did not realize how that was pregnant. Well, whatever. The queen, who cares? Yeah, so you met the queen when you were seven, but you didn't realize how significant that was. No. Tell, where were you? I was able to be there quite early, and my French teacher was there with me. And somehow she picked us to be the people that she came and shook hands with. Um, And she spoke in French with my French teacher. And so I was in the, as the news cameras watched that conversation, there was a little tiny seven year old who shook the Queen's hand. My wife shook the Queen's (laughs) hand. And I had no idea what a big deal that was. Anybody else? That's just really cool. <laughs> I've never met the queen. Yes. Yeah. 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 I remember that. That was so cool. It was very meaningful to me. Yeah. yeah it was super neat. Yeah. And, and you know what, we we're, we we're sort of touching on this a little bit in the council room before we came up here. This kind of thing happens all the time with worship planning and, and, and getting ready for the services and stuff. Little things that, that, totally we wouldn't have thought of or or whatever they come together and they're so entirely uh, appropriate and beautiful and wonderful i think i maybe saw somebody over there maybe no okay it's good these kinds of things happen all the time where god conspires to make our actions and our thoughts and our deeds better than we know and 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 this is Part of the grace that works in us. See, we believe in the doctrine of total depravity, which is a really depressing doctrine unless it's included in the rest of the context. Total depravity is the idea that apart from God, you and I are totally messed up. Right in every single way, and we've talked about that before. How, how, for example, I expressed my frustration at when I was a kid not being able to do something that was good to offer to God. That everything I did ended up being sour in my mouth. Right? There was, there was the motivation was wrong, or I didn't try hard enough, or I, or I messed it up, or, or I was trying to. Uh, Right. And, and this is the way it is. Not only do we make mistakes, I mean, everybody makes mistakes and that's not necessarily sinful in and of itself. But but we're everything is tainted about us apart from God's saving work at Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's work in us reclaiming and redeeming our lives. But part of the beautiful thing is that God is more than willing to take even the tiniest little thing and expand it into something beautiful in his eyes for us. Okay, so here's what we believe about, for example, how salvation works. We believe that salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ uh, through grace alone. Right? Um, And so we, we... we don't do anything to earn our salvation. There is nothing, right? like my father-in-law said, there's nothing you can do that will make God love you any more, and there's nothing that you can do that will make God love you any less. He just loves you, right? And so it is with our salvation. There's nothing you can do To earn your salvation. Everything you try to do to earn your salvation will be not good enough. This is what Paul talks about when he says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this is what we hear about when Paul talks about how the law, the law, it it really serves to highlight for us the condemnation that we deserve. Because when you dig into the Ten Commandments, and if you're honest, and if you look at what Jesus says about the Ten Commandments, then you must realize that anytime time that even your thoughts wander into areas that are, that are not allowed by the Ten Commandments, you have committed that sin, right? If you look at someone lustfully, you've committed adultery with them if if you if you are angry with someone then you are at risk of the fires of hell because of your sin right because it's almost like murdering someone right and, and so on if you if you if you desire what your neighbor has in your heart even though you didn't actually steal it from them you are coveting and you are sinning if there's anything in your heart that is that is bigger then, then God is in your heart, then you are an idolater. You are worshipping something else. And if you really start to poke around and you look at those Ten Commandments, at their heart, you've broken all of them. And so have I. And, and no matter how hard we work, we will not be able... To avoid breaking those commandments, and even if, like in the parable of the prodigal son—that's what we call it, right? Even if, like the the older or yeah, the older son, you are good and obeying all the laws and so on and so forth, or like the rich young ruler who says, I've done all these laws, I've obeyed all these laws all my life, right? Even if you were, then the problem is is that it's your pride that is actually at the core of your being. Look at how good I am. Look at how awesome I am. I have earned this. Way to go, me. Which, of course, is a kind of idolatry you are worshiping yourself and your own good accomplishments instead. Now, the point of that is to say basically, okay, look, everything we do is tainted by our fallen sinful nature. So then when 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 we do something, how could God possibly attribute anything good to that? But this is part of the beauty. When when you are offered salvation, you are offered salvation by someone or something in your life that tells you the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we believe that before that, the Holy Spirit has been working in your life to sort of soften up your heart and your mind to make you listen so that you hear it. And so you haven't done anything. Somebody else delivers the good news to you. The Holy Spirit has been working to soften things up for you. And then you accept that good news and that's wonderful, but but God has always planned for you to do this, and God knew you would do it. You've been predestined to do it, and so you can't go around saying, "Hey, I chose salvation." Woohoo, good me! No, 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 it's by grace alone. You're saved. You did nothing for it, but at the same time, God takes that that little that little thing of faith and says, "Yes, awesome. You're mine. I love you. You're fantastic. You are." Pure and spotless and beautiful, and wow. And you're a sinner, but I didn't do anything. He says, I know, but it doesn't matter. You're great. I love you, right? And, and then and then you go along and by God's spirit and by learning with the with the Bible and by being with other people, you learn more and more about what it means to be a Christian and you seek to do those things. And sometimes you're really obedient and sometimes you're not, right? You fall to temptation and God says, okay, we're going to work on that. But of course, I forgive you. I love you. I already took care of that with Jesus, my son on the cross. I don't want you to do it again. I know you probably will. I forgive you and I love you and we're going to continue to work on it. And then you do something good, like you say, good morning, sunshine, to your your neighbor, even though you don't want to and you're in a gr- really grumpy mood. And, 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 and it's because God's spirit has been working in you and softening you up some more. And, and so there's really nothing you can take credit for. But nonetheless, you do that great little thing, that tiny little thing. And God says, oh, that's awesome. Way to go. You got a jewel in your crown for heaven. And you said, Why I didn't do anything. And God's like, Yeah, yeah, you did. It was a little thing. And it was maybe tainted by some stuff, but that doesn't matter. We forgive those things. It's a beautiful thing. And and you stop and, and you help somebody to the side of the road. Or 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 you 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 do extra hard and good work at at, at your workplace. And part of it, a little part of it is because you want to glorify God with your gifts and abilities. And maybe another part is like, "Uh, I want to look good in front of my peers or I want an advancement. I want to do better in my job. I want more money, whatever. Right. But, But God knows and he takes that little thing and he expands it and makes it beautiful and wonderful. Right. Think about the parable of the towns, right? The 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 landowner goes and he gives you know uh, you know ten talents to one guy and five to another and one to another or whatever I, the numbers are wrong there please forgive that right but the point is that even the person who got one talent could have invested that talent and and, and shown God something anything. The big problem was when you did absolutely nothing with it. Anything is something, especially with God's grace added in the mix. And so, too, it is with this triumphal entry, right? The people are there and they don't know what they're doing, really. They're, they're thinking completely wrongly about who Jesus is and what he's there to do. And they're going to turn on him in just a couple of days, a few days, right? They are going to turn their backs on him and they are going to do something terrible. And it's like, well, okay, Palm Sunday, you know, but it's, it's so broken. It's so messed up. Their motivations are all wrong. Their ideas about who Jesus is are all wrong. They're they're not really serving God. They're really serving themselves. They're trying to throw off the shackles of political powers in Rome. And they... What good is it? Why do we celebrate Palm Sunday? It's really kind of sad in a way. But what does Jesus say? The Pharisees say to him, you know, hey, you have to stop your disciples from doing this. This is inappropriate. Because, of course, the Pharisees are thinking that Jesus is not only not the Messiah that they were hoping for, this political leader, but they're also thinking that, that this is heretical, this is terrible, that they, they shouldn't be doing this. Right? But Jesus says to them, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. See, in spite of the people, in spite of their ignorance, in spite of their messed upness, it is inevitable that God's grace is going to flow through this moment and it's going to come out in praise for Jesus. That is what will happen. And if it happens in spite of the people, if it happens in spite of the Pharisees saying, shut up, so be it. But God's grace is going to come through. And this is part of the beauty of Easter and Good Friday and Holy Week for us is that God doesn't just work in us to cleanse us from our sins. He does do that through Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And and then the Holy Spirit doesn't just come in to cleanse our past and our sins. And that's that. But instead what happens is that God ends up adopting us as His children And God lives in us through the Holy Spirit. And God cleanses us through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And then God walks alongside us when we do the good things that the Holy Spirit inspired us to do. And God works through us in the Holy Spirit, inspiring us to do those things. And God walks behind us, maybe sometimes giving us a bit of a kick in the butt to get going, right? But He walks behind us and He's supporting us. And He's the rock on which we stand, so He's below us, right? And He's sometimes working in spite of us, maybe often working in spite of us. And so that in all these things, this is what God says, in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and so we in spite of ourselves we get to be good right so so total depravity is true but what trumps that is god And what God does. And because of what God does, you are no longer totally depraved in a very real way. Instead, you are the beautiful redeemed son and daughter of God. The king co-heir with Christ. One who does good things. One who is pure and spotless in the eyes of God. One who is seated with God in the very heavenly realm somehow in some spiritual way right now. And so, this brings hope, huge hope. Because what the people did on the road to Jerusalem on that day was not pointless. It was not useless. It was not simply ironic. Instead, it was beautiful and appropriate beyond their comprehension. And so when you and I do those things and say those things and think those things that are good by the grace of God, they also are beautiful and meaningful and powerful beyond our imagining, beyond our understanding. So that helping the person across the road is like helping Queen Elizabeth with pure motivations. Right? So that so that helping the person or, or being nice to somebody when you're really in the depths of despair and you want to curl up in a ball and not talk to anybody at all, that little thing of of saying good morning, that's a much bigger deal than maybe... You're even aware of. And, and, and sweeping the driveway or, 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 or cleaning up the junk around your neighborhood or, or whatever. Who knows? What, whatever it is, that little thing, or maybe that big thing, God inflates, as it were, the beauty of that thing by God's grace. This is part of the wonder of Easter and Palm Sunday for us, brothers and sisters. And so don't, this week and in your coming lives, don't diminish. Don't diminish your actions as being things that are terrible and horrible and so on. In some sense, maybe they are. It doesn't matter. Because God's grace is there. And so they are no longer that if they ever were. Accept God's grace and do the little things. No matter how small they may seem to be or how messed up your motivations may be or how you might fail when you do them. Do them anyways. Accept God's grace in you and through you and sometimes in spite of you lay down your palm branch praise the name of Jesus and do what is good let's pray father in heaven we know that you present us with Countless things, good things that you have planned in advance for us to do. And sometimes we, we fool ourselves into thinking that only the big things count somehow. And sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that, that this, that or the other thing doesn't count because it wasn't good enough. That I didn't do it well enough. And yet, oh God. You clearly attribute to people, by your grace, greater things than we deserve. You have said that through Jesus we are part of your pure, spotless bride. That we are your children. That we are co-heirs with Christ. And You have promised that You have planned out in advance good things for us to do. And so, Lord, may we in humility take those opportunities. Even even if we are ignorant about what is really going on, even if we are struggling against temptation, even if... whatever comes in the way, O God. Help us to take those opportunities to do those things. To say those things. To be that presence. Just, O God, as the people lining the streets of Jerusalem praised Your name, so too, May we praise your name in and through and with and sometimes, Lord, may you work in spite of what lurks in our hearts still to this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.